Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Hello, it's seven o'clock and I'm here. I've got this, I haven't got my full kit, to be honest with you. I've normally got uh, the pro the pro microphone or the little lapel mic. I don't know if you know, so I've got this in my ear, so I forgot it all. I think I left it at home. But anyway, I uh, hope it's all okay. hope the audio is okay. Um, and I've uh, got some questions. I've only, I've, I've had a last minute savior on the questions because I haven't got that many questions. So, um, always happy to have a live interaction as always but um if not i have got some questions don't worry uh please feel free to comment and share if you do have anything that you want to add or any questions you want to ask because what we're doing is every tuesday at seven o'clock that's what we're doing i don't know if that's is that any point having putting that up there every tuesday at 7 p.m on facebook live what do i mean i've got a capital i i've got a capital i on that i'm going to delete that delete that Oh, look at this one here. What about find my podcast on iTunes? And also subscribe to my... That's a bit salesy now, isn't it? Okay. Over the sales. Jan's in the house, so we're ready to start. So um, here we go. Uh, as ever, chip in, chip away, because that will help. But uh, in the absence of any chippage, there is a question which I've had, which says, is it possible to have a breast uplift and be a similar cup size? I have a... What? I have a, I have a lot of loose skin though. I'm trying to avoid a reduction. Well, I read that wrong first time. Okay, can I? Is it possible to have a breast uplift and be a smaller? No, I didn't read it wrong. And be a smaller cup size. I have a lot of loose skin though. I'm trying to avoid a reduction. Right. So I think what this question is really a question of semantics, really, um, and an uplift and a reduction. There's a bit of blurring. They're sort of like the same thing in in many ways, and there's these sort of arbitrary um, uh, things we put in to call it when we call it a reduction, you know. Uh, but they're the same operation basically. But if you remove volume, if you make the breast smaller, then it is a an uplift. Oh no, then it's a reduction because when you do an uplift, you remove the skin, but in order to lift the breast you have to release the gland and you have to do more than just removing the skin you have to do quite a lot of um, dissection to release the gland and mobilize the gland up north and then you redrape the skin to make it look a good shape and you do exactly the same thing when you do a reduction but you remove some volume um, you remove some breast tissue and you keep the nipple attached on a on a stalk of tissue and you remove tissue from around it but you can do a small reduction or a big reduction, you know, so you can, and often when you do a lift, it's, it is actually quite good to do a bit of a reduction because if you've got quite big breasts, then they will be acted on by gravity. So if you do a lift with to a big breast and keep it big, it will droop again. Whereas if you can take some volume out of the lower pole, you can reduce the risk of it drooping again. So it's often good to do a bit of a reduction. Now, some people might still call that a mastopexy. Um, if you're just doing a little bit of a reduction. So often people have got a bit of an asymmetry 
and sometimes you do a bit of a reduction on one, but you might still call it a bilateral mastopexy. But it doesn't really matter what you call it, you can make the breast a bit smaller. So this patient's saying, is it possible to have a breast uplift and be a smaller cup size? Yes, is the answer. Um, but that would probably be called a, a, a reduction if you're going to be a smaller cup size. Often with mastopexies, you don't really change cup size. You do take a bit of volume out in terms of the skin, but you're only taking smaller volumes of breast tissue out. So if you're going to be a smaller cup size, you probably have to call that a reduction. So it's saying, I have a lot of loose skin, though. I'm trying to avoid a reduction. So um, the loose skin will be addressed by the mastopexy. The loose skin, the skin that you remove, the pattern of skin removal is the same, whether it's a mastopexy or a reduction. You may remove the same skin and you tighten the skin to the same level, whether it's a mastopexy or a reduction. The difference comes is if you say I'm a double D cup and I want to be a D cup or, or a, a C cup, then that's a reduction. Or if you say I'm a double D cup and I'm happy wearing this bra and I'm happy with the volume when they're in the bra, but I just don't like the shape and I'm out of a bra, that's when a mastopexy comes in. I hope that it, oh my God, Tish has said hello. Tish has said hello, Tish. Tish, where are you? Oh, look, I'm limited. I've got a lead. I'm limited as how far I can move. Nice to see you, Tish. Tish is in the house, keeping up the numbers and, and commenting as well. Thanks, Tish. Oh, it's nice to see you. Um, I've missed some comments. What's going on? Uh, Jan said, hi. I'm interested in doggy revisions. Is it done under local? Um, yes. Uh, lovely to see you, Tish. I've said that already. Um, I know I have. Um, so, Jan, I, I, I should put my disclaimer up here because it depends on the surgeon. It depends on how big your dog ears are. Because if you've got massive dog ears, then, you know, maybe you wouldn't do it under local. But dog ears are usually quite small. Um, and so if it, uh, and they're usually done under local. So um, I'm just going to seamlessly talk while I uh, – here we go. So usually a dog ear – is it coming on? There you go. Um, usually a dog ear will be done at local, but if you have a very big dog ear um, and um, it's going to be, you know, a more extensive thing, there's a chance it could be under general. But yeah, usually, but then speech to surgeon is the best. Yeah, speech to surgeon. But uh, in my view, they're usually under local. Um, Louise Bramham. Hi, what is the best way to reduce rippling after implants? Would bigger implants help? I had my implants and uplift eight years ago and the rippling is getting worse. Tricky one, Louise, tricky one. Um, rippling is a difficult problem to treat. And what, I've got some, oh, am I limited on my, oh, I'm limited on my, um, right, sorry. I can demonstrate now so I can use props. Can you see that? I'm not, hold up, I'm holding up an implant. I'm not doing it, but I'm going to stand up. Can you see that? See all that rippling? Yeah. So implants, when they're in the body, they often are, they often, well, they, they look like that when they're in the body, they ripple. But you off, you usually can't see that rippling because they're covered. Um, they're covered with the, with the tissue. So um, the, you can, you can see it. Uh, when there's not enough cover over the top of them. And so that's usually on people who are slim. And what you're always trying to do with implants is you're trying to, um, you're trying to get the ratio of implant to breast tissue in favor of the breast tissue. So you ideally want to have more breast tissue than implant. 
So someone with a big breast with a small implant is a good candidate because they've got a lot of breasts, they can hide that small implant. The problem is those people don't exist. If you had a big breast, you wouldn't really want a small implant. You know, what? So, um, the, you know, so if you've got a small breast and a big implant, then that ratio is out of whack and you might be, a, be able to see the implant. So you've said there, would bigger implants help? No, bigger implants will make it worse, Louise. Don't go for bigger implants because you've got even more implant to hide with the same amount of breast. You're trying to hide the implant. That's what you're trying to do. So um, you want to try and hide that implant. So a bigger implant is a no for me. Um, the sort of things you can do for rippling is you can get more cover over the top by putting them under the muscle if they're not under the muscle already. You can, um, ch uh, so changing the plane, you can put on weight, Louise. That's an awful thing to say, I know. But if you ha are very slim and you can see your rib cage, then, you know, if you weren't happy with your weight and you did want to put on weight, that will help to give you a bit of extra cover. Um, it's a really difficult problem. The other thing you can do to get some extra cover over the implant, because that's what you're trying to do, you're trying to get some extra cover over the implant, is you can um, uh, do some fat grafting. It's a good indication for fat grafting, but a fat grafting over the top. But the problem with that is, as I always say with fat grafting, results are subtle. And the whole reason you can got rippling is because you haven't got much cover over the implant. And so you're you it's difficult to get the fat into that small amount of tissue that you have got. And so uh, it's a difficult to do, but it's um it's a good option. Uh, there's always a risk of introducing infection when you do fat grafting, which means the implant would have to be removed if you got infected. And there's also the risk of um, damaging the implant. So it's, you know, not without its risks, but it is something to consider. Uh, fat grafting is an option. Changing the plane is the option. The other option is, sorry, hold on. I'm just going to try and find. Yeah, right. The other, the other option, sorry. You had your implants eight years ago. So um, basically implants have changed slightly um, over the years. This is an older implant. Where's the camera there? And this is a newer implant. So they they both ripple. This one's got a bit of a they both got a bit of rippling. But this one, the older one, is much more much more liquidy. This is the new one. It's a bit firmer. Am I demonstrating that all right? A bit firmer. Shall I? Shall I? I tell you what. Shall I do? Why don't I do that? Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. So uh, can you see how just holding them like that, this one hasn't got any ripples at all. This one has got ripples. As I say, when I hold them up, they all get a bit ripply. So that one does get a bit ripply, but this one gets even more ripply. Have I demonstrated that all right? So there's a couple of things uh, at play here. One is the cohesivity of the gel. Newer implants are a little bit more cohesive than older implants, which means the older implants felt nice and soft, but uh, they're more prone to rippling, more watery. Uh, also, they're the newer implants are safer if the shell does rupture because they tend not to leak liquid silicone because the gel is more cohesive. The other thing is the fill of the implant, uh, of, the, of the shell. Some implants are more highly filled and newer ones are a bit more filled. Um, so that means the capacity of the shell, is it 100% filled or is it like 80% filled? This has got less fill, so therefore less, uh, more likely to ripple because there's I don't know what percent it is. Like, that won't be 80%, that'll be 100%. Does that make sense, the fill of the implant? Anyway, bottom line, characteristics of the implant. There, there may be some leeway with the characteristics of the implant. If you've only had your implants in eight years, that's not long. So you've, you may well have um, quite a cohesive gel already, and it might be well filled, and it might be one of the newer, more modern implants, which are less prone to rippling, but nevertheless, they can still ripple. 
so that might not be an option but that uh is up there with in options but uh it's a tricky problem rippling is a tricky problem to treat probably i guess the best thing is to change plane but the other thing to remember if you're changing plane is you put them under the muscle the muscle just can't hide it in this area the sort of upper medial quadrant of the breast because it's your pec major muscle the outer quadrant is always not under the muscle the, the the muscle so if you have got rippling laterally on the side putting it under the muscle won't help with that so it's a tricky one louise tricky one um but i don't think bigger implants is a big op is a is an option smaller implants no implants you know obviously um Yan, also revisions, is it dissolvable stitches and do you need to wear a compressions after it's done? Yan, you've got one of my questions here. Are you the doggy a question from? Right, where's that question gone? I had a question about that. Um, so dissolvable sutures, again, disclaimer, oh, I'll have my disclaimer. I would use dissolvable sutures if it's, oh, I'm assuming we're talking, this type of suture depends on the location on the body. On the trunk, sort of breast, abdomen, we tend to use dissolvable sutures. On the face, we tend to use non-dissolvable sutures so if you had a dog ear on your face if you have a mole removed or or some surgery to your face facelift or something like that and you had a dog ear then you may well use non-dissolvable sutures on the face but uh, if it's a dog ear on your body on your breast or your abdomen then it would usually be dissolvable sutures and um just to here we go after dog ear will i need to wear a con yeah, control garment again. So will a compression garment be needed? Um, in my experience, no, I wouldn't use a compression garment after a doggy because as I say, they're usually quite small like that, that between that and that. That's small dimension, I would say, usually. I mean, maybe that would be a big one. So, with it. But, um, so usually wouldn't use a compression garment also afterwards because there's another question in a minute about compression garments. But yeah, usually wouldn't. Uh, Tish, uh, love you big time, good to see you. Yan, very small dog ears. Yeah, so very small, yeah, no compression garment and dissolvable sutures usually, but uh, talk to the person doing the surgery would be your best. Um, on the topic of compression garment, here we go. What are the benefits of wearing a or, um, compression garment and binder and why do we need them? Um, again, this is me, this is my view on it. Um, and I think sometimes patients like to have things black and white. Got to wear a compression garment for four weeks or six weeks or something like that, day and night. Mustn't take it off. It's important for your uh, recovery. And I think it's good to engage people, engage patients with their recovery. And I think it's good to involve them with their recovery and give them ownership of the recovery. So I think it is a good thing to engage patients in that way. But if you, uh, one of the problems with this sort of stuff is that um, – you get sometimes people get into the sort of minutiae of it and get into the science of it and uh, ask questions like this you know what's the point of me wearing the compression garment so if you're asking the question you know um what do i really need it and what is the point of it in my view in my experience and in my hands the point of the pressure compression garment is for comfort and is it to, and it is to help with the swelling because there will be swelling if you had some liposuction tummy tuck something like that or a breast surgery you know you put them in a in a post-op bra which is sort of like a compression garment um uh if you have a gynecomastia that's where the, uh, um, the binder comes in the um the, the vest so all these sort of body contouring surgery did i do a blog post about this i think i did a blog post about this um yeah 
I did now. Oh, I've got to prepare with that. So um, all these compression garments do help with the swelling, and, and they do help make it feel comfortable. If you're certain if you're going out and about, um, then it can be comfortable, more comfortable wearing a, a compression garment. Um, but it's not written in stone. Uh, here we go, post compression garment. I knew I did. It's not written in stone. So if it's uncomfortable, if it digs in, I say to people, if it's really uncomfortable, if it's digging in, um, here we go. I did a blog post about compression garments. Oh. So, um, if it's really digging in and everything, then I would say it is not written in stone and it is there for your, oh, flip. It is there for your comfort. And so if it's uncomfortable, you don't have to wear it. it I would say, I mean, check, check, check with your surgeon, um, but I would say um, you need to wear something supportive. Um, did, I just do a, did I just do a comment with this? I do a comment. I meant to do a comment then. Does that work? Anyway, I did a. I did a. I have done a. Um, I have done a. Did I do a comment then? Did that come out? Anyway. Uh, so if it's really uncomfortable, you can just wear a tight top. You know, those big pants. A lot of people say, I've just had a tummy tuck. I don't want to wear those big pants. That's the whole point of me having a tummy tuck. Don't want to wear those big pants. But I'm like, yeah, but just in the immediate post-op period, if the compression garment we give you is uncomfortable because they are quite bulky and you want to wear something instead, then you can. We give, when we do gynecomastia, we give them these big expensive vests and sometimes they wear these tight t-shirts you know like the rugby players wear from jjb sports which are a lot cheaper and a lot more comfortable and especially if it's summertime you can wear a t-shirt over the top of them so you don't for in my practice so this is just in my practice i would say you don't have to wear the compression garment we give you you can wear something else you can use something else the other thing is uh, that i always say to people particularly with the abdominoplasty after a, a tummy tuck if the binder's digging in especially when you first have it because you're all bent over and it's digging in and causing red marks and stuff um, when we do breast reconstruction, there's one way of doing breast reconstruction called a tram flap, where you take some, the same tissue you take with a tummy tuck and tunnel it up into your breast for a uh, to reconstruct the breast. And in those situations, you don't want any uh, compression on the tummy because the blood supply is still attached and it's in that tunnel that goes up into the breast. And so we don't use a garment at all for uh, pedicle tram flaps. And, you know, it's not a disaster. You don't get loads and loads of seromas and swellings and discomforts. Um, so it's not it's not a disaster if you don't use garment. Having said that, I think they are good, and I think they uh, do help with swelling, and they do feel supportive. So that is why you need them, and that is why I think they're good. Hold on a minute, what's going on here? Very small dog is right now. We've got Adele. I have an uplift with implants booked in with Curum on the 16th of July. Silly question, but how many post-surgery bras would you recommend, and how long will I need to wear them for? It's not a silly question, Adele, and. Uh, very grateful to you for uh, 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 participating. Um, it's not a silly question. It's a really good question. Don't beat yourself down. Um, that what are we what we used to do is used to say people bring a bra, 
And they'd say, what size do I bring? And all this, we say, oh, I'll bring a few and keep the labels on and all this stuff. So nowadays we give patients a bra. So uh, we give you a bra. So you will have a bra, we'll size you in theatre and we'll give you a bra. So you don't have to worry about a bra before surgery. But you probably will want, I would say, at least two because you need to wash and stuff like that, wash one and, and change and things like that. Um, so uh, two it would be the, the number. Uh, we sell bras, so we can sell you another bra or the bra that we give you, or you can get like a sports bra, uh, or you know you can get. Uh, I, actually, um, I'll send you an email. If I don't, let me know. But I, I should it should should happen automatically. Um, I send you an email with uh, details about bra, what to look out for in a bra, in a post-op bra, to give you an idea. But as I say, you don't have to get one pre-op because you will give you one. But post-op, a wide bra, a wide band, low band, so it's not anywhere near your incisions. Uh, ideally front fastening not doesn't have to be front fastening but if it isn't front fastening get it totally fastening either at the back or the front you don't want one of those sports bras where you have to put over the top of your head sometimes they have a little clip but they have a little web above the clip so you still have to put it over your head so you want one that totally undoes undoes either at the front or the back uh ideally the front but um yeah so there's an email just ruined the email now so i think there's more um in the email but uh yeah that's where I would go to. And great news, you're having surgery with Kuram. Um, I'm sure he'll look after you. And good luck on the 16th. CC Char. CC Char. Hi, what's the best way to sort out breast when one is a lot larger than the other? That's a big, that's a big question. Put very succinctly there, uh, CC. Um, well, CC, there's no best. What uh, I would say to you in the clinic is, do you like one of them? Do you like the big one? Do you like the small one? Or do you not like either of them? So, um, you know, it's different things for different people. Um, if you like the big one, then the idea would just make the small one bigger. If you like the small one, then make the big one smaller. Um, so it's usually a combination of surgery. So if you're making a breast smaller, you are doing a breast reduction. If you're making a breast bigger, you're doing breast implants. And if you are changing the shape of the breasts, then you're doing a lift because often the nipple heights are asymmetrical when you have an asymmetry of volume of the, of the breasts. So if you have a small one and a big one and you like the big one and you just put an implant in the small one, you will be enhancing the volume. So making it okay when you're in a bra, but you probably won't be matching the shape because the big one, the nipple will probably be lower than the small one. So if you just put an implant in the small one, or sometimes people don't like either of them, and you say you can put implants in both of them, different sized implants, obviously, but you wouldn't be, a, you wouldn't be if you're just using implants, you wouldn't be addressing the shape and the nipple height asymmetry, and presumably the bigger breast is sitting lower than the smaller one. So um, in order to address the nipple heights, you would have to do a lift of the big one. Um, and as I say, you could put one implant in the small one, two implants in both of them if they're all small, or if you're happy with the volume of the smaller one, what's your, yeah, you're the best way to sort out. Probably the easiest way to sort it out would be to do a reduction of the big one, which would also lift it to match the nipple height of the small one, um, and do nothing to the small one. That's probably the easiest way, but then you don't want the easy way, do you? You want the way that you're gonna get the best breast. That's only good if you like the size of the smaller breast. Um, so that's sort of how the mind works in terms of breast asymmetry. Which ones you like? Uh, if you like one of them, then we'll try and match that one. Um, if you like the bigger one, we can match the smaller one in terms of volume, but we probably won't be able to match it in terms of shape. The nipple will always be sitting higher. 
Or do you like neither of them? You know, do we need to adjust both of them? So maybe a lift of the big one and an implant on the small one. That's another option to make the shape of the big one lifted and then match the volume on the other one. Yeah, so those are the options. I hope that's helpful, CC. Bryony Malloy. Bryony Malloy. That must be a Facebook name. That can't be a real name, can it? Bryony Malloy. How much is vasoliposuction, liposuction? And what is the downtime for four areas? God, that's specific. Blinking, mate. That's specific, Bryony. Jeez. Um, four areas. I don't know, uh, Bryony. I, um, I don't do liposuction. I don't do I don't do vasor. I do do liposuction, but I don't do vasor. Um, so I don't. I've got prices on that one, uh, Bryony. Sorry, but you should be able to inquire to people who do vasor and get that one. Get that four areas sounds like a lot. What are your four areas? Anyway, I don't do it, so I don't want. It, so sorry, um, Helen. What breast implants do you use? I personally tend to use Nagor implants, silicone, and I use Polytech implants, polyurethane. Uh, Polytech also makes silicone implants. Personally, that's what I use. I don't think they're necessarily better than others. I just, they're the ones I'm familiar with. I think there's a lot of good makes of implants. A mentor are a good make. Um, um, there's lots, there's maybe not lots, but there's several good makes of implants. Um, some people I, I know use Seban, Seban. Um, so yeah, but those are the ones I use if, Patients haven't got a haven't got a preference, but if they've got a preference, I will happily use another makeup implant. I just use those because I'm familiar with them. I'm familiar with the range, and there's the ones I use regularly. Um, but because we do, we're not tied to any make, so as long as the hospital can get them, we can get uh, any make that the hospital can get. So um, sometimes people want certain makes that the hospital can't get. Um, but what was it recently? But anyway, um, if, if the hospital can get it, we'll, 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 we'll usually be happy to use them. Louise, I've lost a lot of weight recently. That makes sense. Why the rippling is getting worse? Thank you so much. Potentially may have put it. May, potentially may have it under muscle. Yeah, if you've lost weight, Louise, that will be great uh, for your body and for your health. But it's not great for your hiding implants. And yeah, potentially under the muscle is is an option. Emma says hi. Hi, Emma. Good to see you here tonight. Uh, Sherilyn, hi JJ. I have a question about rhinoplasty. Please, can rhinoplasty cause a mass behind the eye? I had rhinoplasty last September, and I've just found out I have a small mass behind my right eye. Potentially, uh, Sherilyn, yeah, it could. But um, last September is a long time ago, Sherilyn. So like Ten months ago. Um, well, I don't know what you mean by behind your eye. I'm presuming that means behind your eyelid. It's not like on a scan behind your eye. Um, because, and, and uh, yeah, I think you need to see your doctor, Sherilyn. Um, not in a bad way. I don't think there's anything to worry about because it could be a little cyst. Um, it could be a little blocked tear duct or something. Um, there could be lots of reasons to have a, a, a swelling. I think if you had a, a rhinoplasty in September, I think it's less likely to be due to the rhinoplasty, I would say, uh, but not outside the realms because the sort of swelling you're looking at is fluid or blood, basically, if it's post-surgery. And that would, you know, the blood would come, you know, in the first day or two, and the fluid would come in the first few weeks if there's sort of any swelling or localized swelling. To have a swelling um, 10 months or September or many months afterwards is a little bit unlikely, but um, I would suspect it's probably something else. But yeah, go and see a surgeon to see. Well, I don't do rhinoplasty as well, disclaimer. But, um, but yeah, that's where I would be on that one. 
Joyce Richardson, good evening. Would you recommend a compression garment for an arm lift with lipo? Joyce, it is really hard to get compression on the arm lift because uh, so it depends on the, your surgeon and the, it gets no right or wrong. So the arm lift, the scar goes up here and it goes up into your armpit and it's hard to get a compression garment. Compression garment, you, the problem with compression, particularly on a limb, is it has to stop somewhere. And where it stops somewhere, you get swelling distal, you know, past where it stopped. And so that's why when you get something on the leg, you know, you often have to go from the toes right up to the thighs if you're gonna put compression on a leg. Because if you try and put compression on a certain area of the leg, you'll get swelling past it. So the problem with the arm garments is that they stop in your armpit because you have to move your armpit. So you often get swelling just where it stops. Um, and so, I think it's difficult to get compression on an arm lift. So I personally don't use a compression garment with an arm lift. I just put dressings on. I don't put a compression garment on because it's hard to get it crossing your axilla and still allowing you to move. If you're going to be allowed to move, you have to have give in the armpit and then you get constriction around the armpit and swelling. So my practice is not to use a compression garment, but I'm, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if people do use compression garments, but that's what I've found with a compression garment on an arm lift on a personal basis. Joyce is straight back in with the number two, part two. I'm having an extended arm lift with lipo at the end of the month, and the only thing worrying me is getting infection in the armpit, which I've seen on the groups a lot of women do. What's the best way to avoid this, and how long should I leave it before driving? Joyce, that's really a good point, because that is one of the risks with doing surgery in armpits and groins and places like that, that there is a higher risk of infection because it's hot and sweaty. Um, so obviously you're gonna have probably have dressings on for a while. But once you have the dressings off, I would, well, stick close with your surgeon and work with them and start, do what they say you should do. But I would just say wash and shower regularly, uh, stay positive, eat healthily, uh, look after yourself. If you get any signs of any little bit of redness, see your doctor uh, to get treated if you do get problems. But you're absolutely right. You've got a higher risk of getting infections at that armpit. And, you know, I would just say be positive about it. But, but the good beauty of it is in a way, uh, with armpits and groins if you do get a bit of infection if the wound opens up a little bit it's not very nice because it takes a long time to heal and it's horrible because it's hot and sweaty and all that sort of stuff but at the end of the day it doesn't matter so much because the scar is hidden so they don't really see the scar once it's healed so it's in that in those terms it's a good place for a scar but the fact that it's, it takes a long time to heal and if you get an infection that's a bad thing so balance but uh so how long should i leave it before driving i would say at least two weeks joyce um prob you know that'd be a minimum to get it healed well actually maybe three for you that's for a normal arm lift an extended arm lift do you mean extended arm oops do you mean it's going onto your abdominal um to your, uh, lateral chest wall because that's quite a long big incision to get healed it depends on how long it takes to get healed joyce because if you have an infection in your armpit then you might not be driving for a month so um two to three weeks probably three just to get it all healed hard to say for sure for sure Kat Lindsay, what's your experience on Brazilian tummy tuck? Do you do them and can it be done alongside a fleur de lis? It's interesting you should say that, Kat, because I was just looking at a video with um, <laughs> um, Garrick Giorgio talking about Brazilian tummy tuck. It's awful, isn't it? Getting my um, getting my medical learning from uh, Facebook. Um, that uh, I, I, I'm not particularly familiar with the, the the difference in a Brazilian tummy tuck. I've got to be honest with you. Um, and the sort of things he was explaining, I'm thinking that's some of those things are done anyway on a normal tummy tuck. Um, and I think he was sort of 
talking about sort of older tummy tucks where you do extensive undermining. These days we tend to just undermine centrally. We don't do a lot of undermining, limitedly undermining. Um, he was talking about doing quite extensive liposuction, which um, I don't do in the upper part. So I've got to be honest with you, Kat. If I hadn't seen that video about an hour ago, I wouldn't know what you're talking about with a Brazilian tummy tuck. But um, so if you're talking about extensive liposuction in the upper abdomen, that is something I don't do. And you probably wouldn't want to do alongside a fleur de lis tummy tuck. Um, and I, so I find that sometimes people give names to things. You get things named all over the place. And uh, it's, it's quite good for patients because they think, oh, I'm going to have the latest thing. But actually, from a surgical point of view, you actually find the differences are quite mild. And people try and make it sound like it's a, a new big thing, but maybe it's sort of, actually a little bit more similar than than, um, than you might think. So, um, yeah, I haven't got a big experience Brazilian one. Uh, I just tend to do a standard one, but I limit the undermining centrally um, so you don't have big areas of dead space. And my liposuction, I usually uh, limit to the hips and the flanks. And, yes, that sort of thing that I'm talking about can be done alongside a fleur de lis um, but I would have thought the Brazilian thing. You would probably want to do, I mean, my experience of liposuction is it can interrupt the blood supply and it can um, cause problems with wound healing. So that's why I would want to not do extensive liposuction if I was doing a fleur personally. But uh, I always say, you know what? I always say choose the surgeon because you'll see these surgeons and then one surgeon will say this and another surgeon will say that. And you think, oh my God, he just said you've got to do it that way. He just said you've got to do it this way, which is totally opposite to the way that other guy said do it. There's often like not right or wrong it's just people experiences and it's just like you know it's just like gotta go with the surgeon and try and get a like a median the median try and get a sort of idea of what anyway on cc thank you sherilyn behind the eye was behind the, it's a tumor it's a tumor behind the eyeball okay well that's less likely to be due so tumor tumor just means swelling but uh yeah, I think that's unlikely to be due to the rhinoplasty, Sheridan, the tumor behind the eyeball. Um, the rhinoplasty stays you know, relatively far away from the eyeball, from the sort of orbit. Uh, so that's probably unlikely to be due to the um, rhinoplasty, but I'm assuming you're getting scans and getting treatment for that. So, so Joyce says, thank you, JJ. Thank you, Joyce. Thank you very much. Here we go, cat. It's to protect layer under the skin to prevent the seromas. Two corners, two corners of lymph are left in. Yeah, I saw that. No drains. Yeah, I, I saw that. Um, that's the layer. You know what? It's difficult, cat. Yeah, I mean, basically leaving the layer below scarpa's fascia, uh, which I think is the layer under the skin you're talking about, and uh, two corners. I think a lot of people. Yeah, scarpa's fascia his cat yeah I saw, you must have seen the same thing um yeah i mean i, I would say the scarpa fa scarpa's fascia isn't destroyed you you cut through scarpa's fascia and when you close the wound um scarpa's fascia is a, is a sort of distinct layer underneath the skin between the skin and the deep fascia the sort of rectus fascia it's a superficial layer of fascia and I do I go deep to scarpa's fascia but then I use scarpa's fascia to close the wound to take the tension off the wound I use that as an extra layer. Um, so 
and I do use Drain still. I don't know. I'm well, I'm probably not in the minority, but I know a lot of people are still using Drain uh, are not using Drains, and I could probably not use Drains to be honest. And I know no one patients don't like Drains, uh, but I think that they are good, and I still think they've got a place. And it may be I I'm not a big fan of the glue personally and a lot of people using glue instead of drains uh, I think quilting is a good idea um, and I do quilt uh, but I quilt and drain because I'm just at that interface period now where I'm thinking can I get not use drains um, and maybe I will move towards not using drains but at the moment I, I do just because people feel more comfortable with it just taking that bit of fluid because although the dead space is limited there is some dead space because there is some uh, undermining because otherwise you know you'd not be able to close the wound so um yeah i'm on the undermining uh do use drains but i limit my undermining and i do keep the stark scarpers fascia intact i don't do a totally i think he was saying it goes totally above scarpers the layer belief scarpers is quite thick so i didn't i didn't quite get that he was doing liposuction but then leaving all the layer below scarpers anyway I guess it's quite a medical thing that, and again, go with the surgeon that you think is good. And if you think that sounds good and you see good results from it, um, <clears throat> then go with that one. I think you can get good results with both types of tummy tuck. And I don't think there's one better than another. If one was better than another, we'd all do that way. I guess they're better in rather than having to go in after to drain. Yeah, they definitely are. But people who don't use drains would say they don't have to go in after to drain. Um, so I don't think there's any right or wrong. I'm not saying I'm right using drains because the guy that doesn't use drains says he's right not using drains. Well, I hope he doesn't say he's right. I'm just saying he's, his opinion is that drains are not liked by patients because they're uncomfortable, they're painful, they can introduce infection, and he would say they're not required. And I'd be like, okay, fine. I would say, um, you know, people who don't use drains say they've got a very low seroma rate, like, you know, a few percent. I would say, look, I, I would say I never get seroma. I got a seroma about five years ago. I pretty much never get a seroma. So even though they say they're getting a whatever, 2% seroma rate, I'm thinking, well, that's still higher than what I'm getting when I use drains. So that's where I am. I Seroma, you want seroma? It's fluid collection sort of after the surgery. I like suction drains to suck it down. And then after a day or two, we take the drains out. That's where I am. That's where I am. But I'm not saying people don't use drains are wrong. There's a lot of people who don't use drains and they are, and as I say, this time in a few months' time, I might be going, yeah, don't use drains, you know. I think we're moving that way, but I still do like them. Just to suck it down. Oh, this is good, isn't it? Getting some good, uh, good bit of interaction here. I didn't expect this. A bit worried tonight, to be honest with you, because I didn't really have, to be quite honest with you, I didn't have any questions about until a couple of hours ago. Be quite honest uh can i have an uplift and avoid about i've done that one well look at this one here um what's the procedure for having a varicose vein removed and will i need to take time off work i don't do varicose veins now varicose veins although they are cosmetic it is a vascular surgeon that does varicose veins a different type of specialty that does varicose veins but i can give you an idea of what the procedure is there's different procedures um again to talk to a special specialist if you want to have your varicose veins done. Uh, don't take it from me. But uh, we used to do quite a sort of invasive operation where we um, stripped the varicose veins, and that was quite uh, invasive and quite a lot of bruising, quite a lot of swelling, time of work and what have you. These days they do uh, EVLT, endovenous laser 
treatment. Um, so basically, they put a laser into the vein and they 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 clot the vein. They destroy the vein um, just by placing a little laser into the vein. Amazing, much less invasive, much less downtime. I don't know about time off work. A week, maybe less. I don't know. I don't. I don't. But it's um, the. the certainly seems to be a very effective way of removing varicose veins in a very minimally invasive way. It was quite invasive the old way when we used to strip them. So I think um, this uh, endovenous laser treatment, EVLT, is a lot better and a lot quicker recovery. Uh, but I, I'm sorry, I don't do it myself. So it's a vascular surgeon, ideally. Um, we did have one working here, uh, uh, Mr. Tuari. But he now works at the Priory. So if you're in Birmingham, uh, he's a good guy. Um, what's the procedure for having a varicose vein after dog ear? What are the benefits of wearing compression? I've got a double chin. Here we go. I've got a double chin after a big weight loss. Will a lower facelift take care of this? I don't do facial plastic surgery. Disclaimer. I should have another disclaimer, shouldn't I? Um, but just in general terms, uh, this sort of thing uh, after weight loss extra skin whether it be in your tummy or your breast or your face or your chin it's the same thing skin's been stretched stretching force goes too much skin so um when you say a lower facelift so if they, you, you've got to think of how far they're going to extend that scar and how they're going to get that pull so basically uh the best way to well first of all simplest way bit of liposuction depending on how, you know how good quality your skin is are you a smoker how old you are um bit like liposuction anywhere on the body, uh, after liposuction, the skin can recoil. So if you've just got a bit of extra fat in your chin, a bit of liposuction to your chin, that skin then recoils, that's it, job done. That wouldn't be a lower facelift. That could be done at the same time as a lower facelift, but it wouldn't be sort of, um, it would be an extra thing that they would do at the, you know, at the time of the lower facelift. So a little bit of liposuction might be the, tight, uh, the simplest thing, but if you have a lot of skin, then you would have to have some kind of skin reduction. Now, when we do facelifts, we try and hide the scars around the ear. And so I don't know what a lower facelift is, but you know, people often want short scars and smaller facelifts, but the shorter the scar, the less skin that you can remove. So if you want to take a pull on the, on the chin, you normally have to go up behind the ear and get a good pull to try and affect the chin and improve, improve the contour of the chin. Um, which I would say is probably a full facelift, but I don't even do this surgery, so I really shouldn't be uh, taking anything from me. I'm just as good as the guy who you meet in Tesco's, to be honest, when you ask about this sort of stuff. But um, yeah, liposuction in the first instance, and uh, probably a full facelift. Not sure, a lower. When you say, is upper meaning a brow lift? Is a lower facelift? Every, so a facelift is only usually this bit. It's not normally this bit, the upper... The brow and the eyes are normally brow lift and eye um, lift. Um, last question. Last question. Unless you come in with something. Pause, dramatic pause. Um, do I need to wear a bra all the time? What is this related to? I don't know if this is, a, I think this is related to, did someone on television say something about wearing a bra all the time? Sorry, I, I haven't put the question in, but someone, uh, I can't, anyway, 
Um, I think this is not talking about sort of post-op and things like that. This is, and this is a while ago. People were talking about this about do, if you wear a bra all the time, you avoid having a lift because you keep the bra, uh, keep the breast up. I don't think that's true. I don't think so. No, I don't think wearing a bra all the time, wearing a bra at night and things like that, I don't think is going to help your breast from sagging and drooping. I think breasts naturally sag and droop. I think it's not just your breast; it's your face, it's everything, it's your body. Um, just have to look at a child versus you know, me, you know, children, all like that, adults, all like that. So everything just goes south with gravity, and it's natural. Um, and I don't think wearing a bra will stop you from wearing, a, from needing a lift, a lift. So no, you don't need to wear a bra all the time. And post-op, yes, you do, although you take it off the wash, but I don't think it's a post-op question. Um, well, all the time for the first four to six weeks, depending on what your surgeon says. That's it. That is it. That's it. So, um, thank, awesome. Uh, but oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Sherilyn straight in. Oh, Marilyn Monroe was it? <laughs> I thought it was someone recently. All right. She said it prevented the boobs from dropping. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have heard that. I have heard that uh, people said that it prevented you boobs from dropping. But um, I don't. I think. Um, Yes, we're acting on by gravity, but I think also the tissues lose their elasticity, especially if you smoke and things like that. Your tissues are less tight than they used to be, uh, regardless of whether you're wearing a, a bra. So your tissues and you have inherent things within your body that makes your tissues um, sag. And um, so I don't, I would not recommend it. I don't know if they've done any studies where people have worn bras for their lives or gone into space for years and seen if they bodies don't sag but uh, i suspect they would sag to be honest as soon as they got back to earth and as soon as they took their bra off they would sag because of gravity um but look after your skin don't smoke don't get suntanned uh, don't burn your skin with the sun and uh, eat healthily good diet that's what i would say rather than wearing a bra all the time that's my bit so i am gonna go and uh go home basically um and i will Wish you, bid you all farewell and bid you a good night. And that was very kind of you to all ask questions because I've got to be honest, two hours ago I was a bit worried because uh, it wasn't looking good. But that it turned out all right, I thought. Um, so thank you very much. And tomorrow, uh, next week, 7 o'clock, I will be here and I expect you to be here too. If you have got any photos you want me to put on, I can. I know I said you can join, but I think people in the past have said you have to do an app or something so maybe if you want to do download an app be live app or something you're welcome to join me on this but if you want to share your photos and i can do a, you put your photo up you know and say look this is something or you know um please do Sherilyn. good luck with your um swelling behind your eye i hope that uh, is all uh, dealt with and you see the seek the appropriate help for that and i will see you all same time same place next Tuesday, 7 p.m. Good night. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over 
to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.